Welcome back to the Legal Weekly Wine, where we discuss the week's hottest legal topics. It is May 5th of 2023, and uh, as you might be able to notice in the video at least, Chelsea and I are not actually in the same location at our normal bar stool today. We swapped it up a little bit. <laughs> we did. So we're we're working on a couple of things. We're trying something new um, through this summer. It looks like we're going to do more of this, but this is the first round that we have. Hopefully the audio is good for everyone on Podbean, Audible, Spotify, etc. But we're going to try this because this week is really interesting in legal news. And Chelsea, yeah. I know <laughs> you're That's perfect. Perfect. Is it an understatement? I am ill about it. I'm just so ill about all of it. Yeah, so here we go again, and I'm going to give the caveat. We are talking about Trump again, and I swear at some point the news is not going to be about Trump. Um, and this is not a political show. Um, it is news. It is legal. Okay, we're talking about legal. And Chelsea, I know you're going to agree. It's hard to put aside any kind of personal opinions. But what we focus that, on... This is even... I mean, we've talked about criminal trials with him. We've mm -hmm. talked about potential violation of like campaign finance. But this is even more in our wheelhouse. This is a civil lawsuit. This is... It is. For damages. This is essentially what you do. Exactly. Exactly. So that's why we're discussing it is this is truly what we do. This is, I mean, as trial attorneys, we're civil trial attorneys. I've done criminal before, um, but currently I'm a civil trial attorney and Chelsea's hopefully going to be one very soon. Um, congrats, by the way, of the upcoming very soon graduation. Yes, I took my first and last in-person final yesterday. So look, I'm I'm happy. I'm ready to knock out a couple little things. And then in what, like two weeks, I'm out of here. I'm so proud of you. Um, so we're going to talk about it because it is our wheelhouse, because it is evidence-related, trial-related, testimony-related. We're not going to talk necessarily about the, the final rulings or anything like that, but what we are going to talk about, or at least the jury's final conclusion. But we do want to mention the evidence that's there, some of the other motions that have happened during the trial, and what it means, because this is truly, like you said, our wheelhouse, and it's kind of fun in a sick sort of way. Yeah, so, bless. Sorry. So, if you haven't guessed already, we're talking about the civil lawsuit. Oh, thank you, Chelsea. Yeah, it's okay. We're talking about the civil lawsuit against Trump that is in federal court in New York. And Miss um, Carol, is it Carol's e. last name? Carol, yeah. Eugene Carol um, has brought a civil suit against Trump, alleging that yep. in 95 or 96, he sexually assaulted her. Um, and that since then, he has defamed her um, by saying that she's lying, essentially, right? That's the highest that's, of Yeah, that's that's the very basics, but I think it's a really good summary of, I know, of I where we I are. I lost you for a second. Oh, no. Of course. Am okay. I back? You're back. Okay, look. See, we're struggling with Zoom just like everybody else in this day and age, uh, but hopefully you can continue to see and hear us and just bear with us. Look, I think we're good. Well, I didn't, I missed what you were saying though. So, oh yeah. I was just saying that I think that's the basics, this, a really good summary of where we are and what's happening. There's a lot more than that. And everybody read up some more on this because there's so much in the news. There's so much to be had to, to see, to review, 
to make your own opinions about. Um, but let's get to our wine since it is the Legal Weekly Wine and we are not joining each other in the same bottle of wine. Yes. So what are you drinking, Virginia? Okay. I know yours is going to be in mine because mine is grocery store <laughs> wine. So like, what are you drinking? Um, so I am sorry I'm not sharing it with you today, but it is a 101 North Cabernet. Um, you know, I like my Cabernets. Um, so I've got, I think we've done another 101 North. Um, so this is our second, my second, um, not yours, but so here's the fun thing is I went to Williamsburg last weekend and I bought, (laughs) I'm jealous. I love, I think it's such a beautiful town. You'll have to come with me next time because I also love Williamsburg. I went to law school there. Um, and I bought tons of wine at the Williamsburg Winery. And I was going to share one with you today, but we're going to hold off so that you can have that with me. So today is the full, smooth, and robust Cabernet. What are you drinking? I am. It's very, very fancy, guys. I don't know if you've ever heard of it. This is Winking Owl, which is the Aldi brand of wine. Um, (laughs) So I'm drinking, I think this is a Sauvignon Blanc. Ooh, Um, a white for us. Yes, I mean... It was supposed to be Moscato, but my Instacart driver replaced it with this, <laughs> honestly. So very classy, but I'm excited. I think it's going to be delicious. And I... if you hear the pattering, I have a olive running around me. So he might jump up in my lap at some yes, point. It's so sweet. You're your sweet puppy. We've only seen him a couple of times in all of the videos that we have done, but he is so sweet. Um, and you might see Willow behind me, my little Cocker Spaniel. She keeps popping up in this little space where I'm sitting. So we'll see if we see any dogs. But cheers. Well, cheers. Yeah. Cheers. Cheers. Mine's- I don't know if you can hear gulp over Zoom. I did not hear your gulp. Maybe it picked it up in the mics. I guess we'll find out. What do you think of your cab? Is it delicious? It is delicious. It goes down. It is smooth, just like it says. It goes down very smoothly. I did, the funny thing is, I don't like the the back taste, the the back end like, of it. Yeah. As well as the first sip. Interesting. But it is good. How about yours? Um, it tastes like apple juice. So I'm living. <laughs> it's great. It might be just relabeled. I don't know. <laughs> Yeah. I mean, it's good. It just tastes kind of like apple juice, actually. So I'm nice. not sure if that's how that. Yes. Apparently from California. Notes of citrus, lemon, and apple. Look, picked up on it right there. Very good. Good for you on the apple. What's the alcohol content on that one? That's a good question. Um, does it even say? They have to say it. They oh, it's 12%. Oh. 12%. Okay. It's dangerous apple juice is what it is because it tastes so good. You just... <laughs> <laughs> that that really is. Okay, well, there we have our wine. We will continue to drink. And here we With go. With this story, too, because this is a lot. This it is, is a lot. It is a lot. So, here are my first thoughts, and you can tell me Please. what you think. We already, I mean, it's just kind of, I think, common knowledge that sexual assault cases in the legal system are difficult to begin with. Even criminal prosecution. Absolutely. Tend to be very difficult cases because guess what? People are not 
sexually assaulting people generally in front of an audience, right? Right. So these things are happening behind closed doors. Evidence can be limited. You have Mm -hmm. a lot of issues with people coming forward for all kinds of reasons. Yes. And that's even in the criminal world. And now we're in civil, which maybe, you know, there's a lower standard. There is. It's preponderance of the evidence versus beyond a reasonable doubt. Yes. And so you have that. We've talked a lot about defamation recently, more than I ever thought we would talk about defamation. God, I know. It's so funny. One of the comments that we had was really cute, um, that they don't have, this one person doesn't have a defamation case, but if she ever did, that she would use Chelsea, which is adorable. I would love to handle anything. Look, that would be so much fun. But, okay, but now this this civil trial with Trump is, (laughs) yes, it's about the sexual assault. Um, But the actual, like, cause of action, if I'm correct, is battery and defamation. I believe that's correct. So the defamation is definitely there. And then the sexual battery, which for all intents and purposes is sexual assault um, in a civil way, just not a criminal. And the, I mean, the interesting part of this is with the Me Too movement, a lot of those cases have been allowed and much more prevalent because the the dates have been opened up. So the statutes of limitations normally would preclude a case from the 90s, right? But with the Me Too movement, it opened it back up, especially in New York, and that's why she's able to bring the civil case. And the, the funny thing for me is that she probably at least would have been able to bring the defamation case, even yes. without the sexual assault case. Yes. And this is my understanding was that she published a book in 2019 Mm -hmm. and that was the first time she publicly spoke about her experience. Right. Um, And then that's when he sort of responded by saying um, all kinds of things. And we can get into that. (laughs) We can get into that. Um, But yes. So I think the defamation maybe didn't start till 2019, I guess is, would be the, the argument there. I think so too. And then it has continued. Um, is she's alleging that this has continued. So even if it was just a defamation case, she would still have to prove the truth of her statements, right? She would still have to prove yeah. that she was sexually assaulted. And then he made these statements about her, about the falsity of what she's claiming. So this is why it's so wild to me. I feel like I've said this a couple of times, but when we learned about defamation in tort, they were like, you will never see this because this is not how the legal system works. You like in the criminal system, you don't prove innocence. It's not guilty, right? That's a very different thing. And he was like, so defamation is essentially the equivalent of having to prove innocence. You're never going to see it. And that's all I have talked about for the past two months because that's what's in the headlines. (laughs) I know I've, I've been working for 17 years. I graduated 18 years ago. And in the last year and a half, I have seen more defamation cases than I've seen in 17 years. I mean, this is absolutely crazy. Now I feel like I'm almost an expert in defamation just by following these cases. Look, we're going to cross my fingers and that the bar exam will be like a, a essay about defamation or something because I am on it. <laughs> and maybe it will. <laughs> So, so yeah, I mean, it really is interesting how many times we're hitting this. Um, and at least with Trump, you know, a couple of times now. But with this particular one, the jury has, it's been a jury trial. It's in New York. It's a federal case. I like the judge. 
Judge Kaplan. <laughs> so we have some weird legal things going. I think yeah. the first interesting thing to me was it makes sense, but I feel like maybe it doesn't. I don't know. Maybe if it was like El Chapo, right? The jury is anonymous. <laughs> like it's a, it's a, a <laughs> it's like a secret jury, which I'm like, okay, maybe if you're like testifying and get, or like you're a jury member for like somebody. Yeah. I don't know. That was my thought. I was like, I feel like this is a little dramatic, but okay. But it is Trump, right? So the idea, I think it would be hard to seat the jury in the first place because everybody knows Trump. So how do you get a jury that isn't biased one way or the other about him? Right. You. I mean, I think it goes back to what we said before is you have, hopefully, people who can say, I do have opinions about him as a person, him as a figure, him as a whatever, um, but I'm willing to set that aside and only can, I mean, that's the best you can do, right? Like, Ag- I don't know. Agreed. And that was what we were talking about with the Elon Musk trial is, you know, the one juror, she's like, yeah, I have opinions, but I'd be willing to, like you said, to put them aside and try to be fair for the evidence in this trial. I, that is the best you can do. And in this case, the jury... I, I like your comment about El Chapo. It seems a little extreme, but at the same time, they don't want, the judge doesn't want undue influence on these poor people who have been chosen from any side. And it's not just Trump, right? It's you've got the Republicans, you've got the Democrats, and it, you know you even have Congress members involved in, in the New York case. So I think the judge is actually doing something very wise here to try to protect the jurors and keep them as far away from improper influence as possible. Yeah, I think that just would be a stressful place to be if you're a jury for this. Um, So, okay, there's been some other weird legal things that have happened with this case. It's been so fascinating legally. It really has to to watch this. My evidence... You know, it's really doing a good job of, like, reviewing the rules of evidence. Because I'm like, can we do that? And sure enough, they can. Yeah, so one of the rules, okay, so one of the the interesting rules that's coming up is um, in this case, they actually presented two other witnesses that claimed that Trump sexually assaulted them in some way. Not necessarily rape, but at least sexual assault. And you and... Immediately, I'm like, you can't do that. Uh, like, you can't. It's called propensity evidence. It's improper character evidence. Um, see, I knew that part. I did not know the number. Virginia, of course, knew the number. Um, little 404. Little 404 action is, yeah, it's, you can't use prior bad acts or even the allegations of prior bad acts to prove that they conformed with that, that because they did this in the past, they've necessarily done that in this case. Right. You can't say, you know, well, they robbed 10 banks. It doesn't matter because that's not what this case is about, Um, which is interesting, sort of how the law draws that line, because then you have people who like have very clear MOs and there's like ways to get that in. But it's like it has to be so distinctive that it is indicative of them. And this is not Correct. This is not very, like, a, a pattern. It's really not. Yeah. I mean, there are two other witnesses. They haven't produced, you know, like, eight other people. It's just been two other women. Um, and in this case, again, it's we've got the statute of limitations that comes in that's different. 
And in this, and I'm pulling up the, the rules specifically, it's a federal rule um, of evidence, Rule 415, that was specifically enacted regarding sexual assault cases. So it's an, an exception. Is that, is that like the, what is 415? What is 415? Exactly. It's new-ish. Bob Dole. I, an evidence exam yesterday. What is 415? <laughs> So 415 is the the title of it is acts in civil cases involving sexual assault or child molestation. Now clearly we're not dealing with the latter, but it's it's lumped together. And it says in a civil case involving a claim for relief based on a party's alleged sexual assault or child molestation, the court may admit evidence that the party committed any other sexual assault. The evidence may be considered as provided in, in a couple of other rules. Now, you have to disclose to the other party that you're going to introduce the evidence. In Rule 412, going back to that, you have to make a specific motion with the notice to the other party. But that's what they did in this case, is they had a full motions hearing as to whether the evidence would be permitted, and Judge Kaplan allowed it under these rules. So I do have a question, and you might not know the answer to this. They might not have done this yet. Did Does that rule come with a specific sort of instruction to the jury of, like, how to evaluate that evidence? Not that I know of. At least not the ruling itself. So the motion was made. The ruling was made that the evidence can be permitted. The two witnesses were permitted to testify. I don't know because I haven't seen the jury instructions. It is very possible that there is a jury instruction that they're going to use or they have yeah. used with regard to that evidence. Um, right. But I don't know which one it is. Usually there are standard jury instructions that you would permit, you know, you would submit to the judge and he would permit or deny them. Um, but my guess is since he permitted these witnesses, that standard jury instruction would be read. Interesting. Wow. And so, okay, so that was an interesting legal thing. We yes. also have the interesting legal thing that Trump didn't come. He didn't come to the lawsuit. Like, he didn't come to court. I, yes. And I will tell you. I didn't know you could do that. You could just be like, <laughs> I'm not going to come, actually. Thanks, but no thanks. <laughs> you, right? And you don't see it. It is so very rare, extremely rare. I've never had it. Well, I take that back. I've had it, but in very specific um, types of cases. So it's very common for me if I'm doing an auto accident and liability has been accepted where the other driver is saying, look, I, I did cause the crash. The insurance company isn't going to dispute liability. It's only as to damages. Yeah. Then the defendant doesn't show, right? It doesn't matter because the defendant can't testify. He's already admitted liability. The judge is only reviewing the the question of how much damage was caused to the victim. So that's yeah. normal. But this, not so especially, much. Okay, right. That, and I'm also thinking, especially in a case like this, I kind of set it on the top where a lot of sexual assault cases come down to sort of credibility of the parties, right? You're sort of weighing mm -hmm. out who do you believe? Because a lot of times yeah. there's not a lot of other evidence except testimony by nature of the assault, right? And yeah. so by being like, yeah, I'm not going to engage. Like, this is like, 
I would like to be left out of this narrative. Like you can't do that. You are in it. You need to address it. I mean, I'm not a publicist, um, but I would right. think it, to me, I maybe, and this is like just me. I don't want to defend myself. If someone's saying this happened and I don't know how the jury is going to feel about it, about him not testifying, but they did something else instead, which also with evidence rules, I was like, what is happening? Yeah. So, okay. So you're absolutely right. And I want to, I want to comment that it is very strange with a, he said, she said, and that's exactly what this is, right? It happened or it didn't happen. It is very rare for a defendant not to show up even in a civil case because they're there to say, I didn't do this. The testimony is I didn't. And (laughs) in this case for him not to appear, I would have to think that the jury is going to make a negative assumption towards him. That not. You have someone who, a woman who's getting up on the stand mm-hmm. and like, you know, telling a very traumatic event. Yes. And you're here in her own words, in person, like, unless you're a robot, that's going to have like an impact on you, which is what testimony is for. It's like your opportunity yes. to have your court to tell your side of the story. And so there's just nothing to counter that. Right. And he's seeing in a lot of the press coverage and Again, political parks aside, if you guys can hear it without the politics, he is actually making statements outside of the courtroom. He's been in Ireland and Scotland and making statements about this isn't true. Um, I'm going to prove that this is false. Um, So he's on the golf course seeing this, but he's not seeing it in court. And like you said, the jury is sequestered. They're not supposed to consider statements he's making outside of court. So they're not hearing from him that he's not, you know, that this didn't happen. But like you said, then, or like you're inferring, then we get the deposition testimony. Oh my God. Yeah. I have to. I have to think, taking, like you said, all of the rest of it outside mm-hmm. of that. If this, this is John Smith, this is just someone. Right, who not Trump. Like mm-hmm. And speaks like this. Yeah. As an attorney, you're, you're an attorney. I'm almost an attorney. I would physically remove my client from the room. You have got to stop talking. You have got to yeah. stop going on these rambles. Because when I tell you my, I looked up just some of the like highlight, highlight reel, the the quotes from these depositions, my jaw hit my desk because who would, one who would say that? Yeah. Um, So what's happened is in civil cases, you are allowed to depose or do a deposition of, of the parties. And in this case, that's exactly what happened. She had a deposition and he had a deposition. Now, normally (laughs) those are used for evidence gathering and for impeachment later, like if they make a statement that's different than the deposition testimony that they had. But in this case, what he's done is he said, you know what, I'm not going to be here. Go ahead and play my deposition testimony so that I'm still testifying. Um, But it's pre-recorded. That happens a lot with experts, um, so it's yes. extremely common with medical experts. You got to fly out to California yeah. to find the expert and depose them by recording. You play it to the jury. But let me tell you, in reality, the jury is bored stiff or 
they decide to count it against you because you or the witness, whatever the witness is, didn't come in person. Yes. And it's it's a negative inference, which is why in trial strategy, it's strict, you know, it's strongly advised that your client be there. Again, except for these liability, non-liability disputes, I don't see it. Um, in my practice, and I wouldn't advise it in my practice of don't show up to your own trial. But this is what he did, is he allowed the deposition testimony to be played instead of him being there personally. And like you're saying, oh, hi, Olive. He just wanted to be included. (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay, sorry. Pause for the dogs. We always pause for the dogs. Olive is now on screen. He's adorable. He's a little big cuddle boy. He just wants to see what's going on. Thank you. Hi. Oh, thank you. Goodbye. Oh, so sweet. Okay, but okay. What did he say in his deposition that was played for the jury? Oh, my God. Okay, first I have one thing, and then we'll go to some of the quotes, because I have it pulled up, um, Just and I took some highlight reels from all kinds of different sources that, you know, what they were the most. Sorry, my hair's on. I'm getting (laughs) hot. So I'm like, all these lights, I'm like... (gasps) (laughs) So I'm like not used to seeing us like this. And it's I very know, I'm used to us sitting and drinking and at the bar stool. Okay. I mean, it's I cool. My hair so much because I'm just looking at it. <laughs> um, but okay, we're so girls, first, y'all. It's it's a yes, thing. Just girly things. Um, but first, we talked about it a lot. Like normally, and when we think criminal, we're like, don't put your defendant on the stand. That right. is like kind of the rule. Now, but you've talked about sort of some of your experience when you have you, you were a defense attorney for a sexual assault case, and mm-hmm. it was sort of a credibility. Oh, you're okay between the two witnesses, and you put you you put him on the stand, right? And I'm I, not misremembering. You are remembering correctly the um, the major rape case that I had as a defense attorney. I mostly did them on the the prosecution side, but I had one as a defense attorney that I took to trial. And in defense, what I would say, and I'm not trying to be conceited here, but I would say, look, if I tell you you should go to trial, you should go to trial. If I tell you you shouldn't go to trial, you should not go to trial. Like, I I have a strong sense of what's going to work and what's not. And in that particular case, it was a he said, she said, right? She says one thing, he says another. He had to testify. In order to present a defense, I mean, yeah, I questioned her credibility. There were things that I could do. But in the end, I believed my client. I absolutely believed him. And I said, look, if I believe you and I am, you know, I don't believe people. That's just, you know, I have so much experience with all sorts of witnesses and clients. I tend to be very wary of testimony. Yes, and you're, like, victim-oriented, I think. I when think it comes so, to too. That reaction of, like, who do I, at my gut, believe? I think that, like, that is very, I feel that way. That So, for you, I mean, for me, it says a lot that, like, he was believable. But if it is a situation like that, you do, it's, like, the exception to the rule, right? Yeah. Like, self-defense, he said, she said, your client has to take the stand. You can't claim self-defense and then not get on the stand. You, you it's like, have to. You just have to, in order to at least try to successfully combat it, that's where you're, like you're saying, the one time you say, okay, to heck with the rule that your te- your client shouldn't testify. In this case, they really should. 
because it is a he said, she said, there was no other witness to the to the alleged incident. This is where you, as a defense attorney, would say, okay, I don't like it. I don't like what you're going to say. I don't like what you said in deposition, but we have to, right? This is something where I'm advising you that you need to take the stand. Yes. And he's chosen not to. Which is his right. It Um, is. Did you hear their motion, though? Did you see their motion to the judge? No. Oh, God. I love this case. I love this case. I don't care. You know, like you said, John Smith, John Doe. This is a legal nightmare. It is. So, So Trump's attorneys actually did a motion before the trial to have a talk about jury instructions for the judge to instruct the jury something to the effect of that Trump was excused from from the court, that he didn't have to attend or appear at the trial because of logistical issues with surrounding his notoriety, his, you know, all this stuff, that it would be some kind of logistical and security nightmare. That's the motion. And the judge... (laughs) He was arraigned like two weeks ago. What do you mean? <laughs> That's what the judge said. He was like, um, assuming that they actually got through successfully the arraignment in the same city a couple of weeks ago, it seems that those logistical issues and security issues can be figured out. Um, and he said something like, and we're happy to help at this courthouse to provide extra security. I mean, it was hilarious. Whatever you think of Trump, the, the judge's response was quite hilarious of, you know, we're happy to provide the New York City's finest. And um, what a I, hospitality. I love it. <laughs> so he refused the jury instruction. He's like, no, I'm not going to give it. The defendant can show up or he can't show up. It's his d- decision. And the jury isn't going to be told that he has an excuse or an, or an exception. It doesn't matter who he is. He can. The jury can infer whatever they want to. Yes. Interesting. Okay, so I have some quotes. Yes. Tell us what the quotes are from the deposition that came into trial. Okay, um, so I'll talk about two things. So, because there have been things from the deposition, there have been also things that have been posted on social media, both by Trump and by his son, Eric. So there's- Oh, I didn't realize his son had made a quote. That was actually who the judge addressed, partly. It was Trump, but it was also, he was like, this was inappropriate and it was taken down. Oh, wow. So there's that, Um, and part of- this to me was so goofy and it's maybe it's just a word choice thing of like there's a post on a social media platform that by Trump claiming that Carol was claiming that Trump had swooned her inside of the store swooned her and I'm like I had to double check myself I was like do I know what that word means I do <laughs> right I know what that means and there wasn't some like hidden meaning because that is such a I don't even, that's such a weird thing to say. I don't even know how to say it, except it's weird. It's odd. It's like cringe. Like I, what is that? Like what? why would yeah. you say that? It's, it's a very interesting word choice. And then he goes on when he's questioned about it to say, well, I didn't think I could use the other word. That's not so nice. That starts with an F. It's like, when have you ever censored yourself? My guy, like, when have you ever right. censored yourself? Very rarely. <laughs> For real? Like what? 
weird behavior. Um, there's also the whole mix up with him mixing up Miss Carol and his ex-wife in a picture. He like misidentified them. And that was in the deposition that was presented to the jury. Which is, again, this to me, I'm like, that's just a strange, how how does that happen? How does that happen? Is he good? Like, what? Yeah. His attorney had to correct him that the person in the photo was indeed not his ex-wife, but was the plaintiff. Yeah, right? I don't it, even know about it, except it's weird. I don't know how the jury is going to take that. It could be that's hit or miss as to which side it would go toward is like for or against him. It's strange. And I would well, have I, a hard time on the jury interpreting that that issue. That's how I feel about it. And I think that, again, you know, armchair quarterbacking, but mm. I believe the plaintiff's attorney tried to use it in their favor because yeah. Trump has denied that he would have ever assaulted Carol because he's not, she is not his type, which gross, gross. Don't just say you wouldn't sexually assault people. Like her being your type is, I'm yeah, not. It was really it. unfortunate wording is, I, I agree with your interpretation is I think the jury is going to be like, wait, so you assault people who are your t- type? Yes, like that to me was, mm-hmm. I definitely, you talk about intent versus impact. I don't necessarily think that's how he intended it, but that's definitely, it rubbed me the wrong way. That whole idea of yeah. like, she's not my type, so I didn't assault her. Gross, gross. Yeah. However, I think the plaintiff's attorney took that comment and then his misidentification of the plaintiff versus his wife. And I was like, well, you can't even tell them apart. Clearly you have a type, so she is your type. I understand why he did it, or she, excuse me, or I'm not sure, the plaintiff's attorney. Weird choice to me. To me. Weird choice. Yeah. I don't like it. I think it's just, again, kind of gross. Like, I feel like it's just a gross, I understand why the argument was made, but I don't particularly like it. <laughs> yeah. What other statements did he make in the deposition? Okay. I mean, I, so I know no, we can't read it all off, but. No. There was a lot about, um, his statements that this came out during the election, the sort of locker room talk, there was back and forth about that a lot in the deposition. There was also um, Trump reiterated his denials of having raped Carol, whom he called mentally sick. You know, it's not true. He said, you're a political operative. Also, you're a disgrace. Um, so there's that. And it sounds like I think those are similar. If I'm if I'm correct, those yes. are similar statements that he's made in the press since yes. the the case came out or since her book came out, which is part of the reason she's claiming he's defamed her. Is it's not just limited to this this deposition, but this was said in public, in yes. you know national press that he's yes. made some of these same statements. So. That's defamatory. It's ruining my character. It's suggesting that I'm this terrible woman, an opportunist, et cetera. I mean, some of these words are really strong. And I think that's what her defamation claim is. Yes, I think. Absolutely. And I I would be curious to know, because he's also made, um, I don't have the exact quote, but it was Mm -hmm. in the ones that I read that she's being paid, she, like, he's alleging she's being paid by specific people. Like, he's named the people he believes are paying her to, like, bring this suit, essentially. And I'd be curious if they can prove that to be false, if that would 
be enough for her to win all of the defamation or how they would parse that out? Um, Because there's just so many statements. That's the thing. There's so many statements that are all slightly different, right? It's all about the wording. And is this opinion? Is this being stated as fact? Like, because you can have your opinion. You can have your opinion and have a wrong opinion and scream it from, from the mountaintops. But not if it's causing damage. And then I think that's the other thing is like, how do you measure? Because the suit is for... I mean, a gazillion dollars, but yeah, it's for a lot. And, but I think you're right is because it's opinion versus fact. And I like your comments about, Hey, I'm referring to specific people that these people know she paid or they paid her. And for a defamation suit, a defense is truth, right? Your, your best defense is that the statements that I made are true. That's how you win a defamation suit as the defendant. And strategy speaking, okay, only strategy. In my opinion, for trial strategy, I would say, you know what? In order to prove that he didn't defame her, that these were truthful statements, I'm going to produce, I think we need to produce Mr. So-and-so, and Mr. Yeah. So-and-so, where if he's, if Trump is alleging that these people had any kind of influence or paid her or whatever it is, then I need to present them on the stand to say, yeah, I did. Um, even if you force, you know, if you subpoena them, you, you have the right to subpoena witnesses in your favor, um, whether they want to be there or not. And in my mind, we defend on truth. And if he's saying yeah. this is how it's happening, then I start to prove this is how it's happening. But in this case, I've been very surprised that there's been no defense, none, except for this deposition that was played. They've rested. The defense has rested without any defense. Is there okay, been this no is what, witnesses? This is what I wanted to talk about, too, because sort of like the petty side of me, that is a move. That is like a mic drop movement of like, I'm not, like, I'm not addressing this. It is, yeah. like, okay, because, again, it's kind of the, like, I feel, like, I am not, I'm above this, and I'm not going to get embroiled in this mess. It's kind of the vibe it's giving, right? And there Which, is strategy in that. Right, okay, because that's what I'm saying. I'm like, I could definitely see, like, that would be, I would not be opposed to a move like that. Like, you know, I just think that that, but here's the other thing. You have to talk about perception. If your client is already kind of perceived as being yeah, in the way that I think a lot of people perceive Trump, whether you like him or not, and he's a big personality, he's perceived as like, you know, very elite, that type of thing. Yeah. Maybe that's the move you make. I don't know. I'm, I was, I think it's interesting. It's, I, that's a lot of money for them to just go sit in a courtroom all day. <laughs> I just don't. It is. And um, that leads, I think, to, to the final point I want to address, but definitely bring up any more that you had. But as far as the trial portion of it, there has been, and this is the interesting follow-up to me of what to watch, okay. is the judge has said, look, I'm seeing, basically, I'm summarizing. I've been seeing things, and this is to counsel, not to the jury, of I've been seeing things in the press you know, things that are going on, like you said, on social media, um, that's th- things that are being said to the press that I'm concerned about. 
And you guys need to tell your clients and tell people who are related to your clients and associated with your clients on both sides that they need to watch what they say right now or they could have future trouble. I think that was really good advice um, because, frankly, what Trump has been seeing outside of the courtroom, so he's not inside the courtroom, but outside of the courtroom, he's been making very lavish statements um, that I think could lead to another defamation case. If he's not careful, some of the things that he's been seeing during this trial while he's been golfing in Ireland and Scotland are just to the point where maybe they're defamatory. And if she wins this suit, so then there's a presumption that she is truthful, right? Because that's what happens is you prove it in court. There's the presumption that you can use that you won this case of he defamed you and this is truthful. Where if he continues to make similar statements or worse statements, that he could be sued again by the same party for defamation because it's new statements. It's not based on prior defamation or prior defamatory statements. It's based on new defamatory statements. Which in the theory with that would be that there's new damages, right? Like that's how it's allowed. Okay. Exactly. Legal thinking right there. I'm like, very good. Okay. That makes sense. Right. Because it's continued damages. Mm -hmm. Interesting. It's okay. new and continuing damages is, I mean, some of the things, and let me pull up a statement or two um, that he's had, which again, it's very, very close, if not already um, defamatory in nature, is he's been saying um, things. Uh, yeah, a lot of things. Um, just a slight aside about him as a character, as a person. How does his legal team not pull their hair out? Like normal clients create a lot of stress. Yeah. It's hard. I cannot imagine having a client not only with this level of um, reach Mm -hmm. immediately. Like this, you know, at at his fingertips, he can send a post out and it it will be on national news in minutes. Yes. So that... And then also just the personality of the the flamboyance, the need to say things all the time. Um, That just sounds like a nightmare to be that person's attorney. To be completely honest, that is a nightmare. (laughs) It is because you can't rein him in. And there's good and bad to that. But as an attorney, I tell my own clients, even my plaintiff clients, right, of please don't say anything. Please don't post on social media. Don't talk to your friends and family because they can all be be called as witnesses against you, Um, all of your social media, everything can be brought into trial to say this is what you're doing. And it often has been. So even my own clients, I'm like, please, please don't say anything. Please, at least not until the end of this trial. And you can't stop him from speaking for good or for ill. Right. Like, I mean, I I don't know how you... There is, it doesn't seem to be, and this is just me wildly speculating again, a lot of ability for his attorneys to counsel him in making legal choices, which is kind of like, that's what you're paying an attorney for, right? It's like, sure, anyone can stand up in court and like read these lines off, but you're paying an attorney because they for advice. can give you advice. Mm-hmm. For advice, it's like for their expert opinion on like what the best course of action is. But if you're not going to listen to it, what's the point? 
Yeah. Yeah, it's hard. So some of the things that he's been saying while on the courses, the golf courses in Ireland and Scotland during this trial are, he called her a disgrace. Yes. Um, Mentally unstable. Mentally unstable. Um, He's been talking even about the judge. Um, He's made a choice. Yeah. Um, There was, yeah, it's a disgrace. It's allowed to happen against a rich guy or in my guy, in my case, against a famous rich and political person. Um, I have to go back for a woman that made a false allegation about me, accusation about me. And I have a judge who's extremely hostile and I'm going to go back and going to confront this. But this woman is a disgrace and it shouldn't be allowed to happen in our country. Um, so whether those statements themselves are defamatory in nature is a question for a jury. But they're awfully close if they haven't already crossed that line, because if she can prove she won this trial, that, you know, he's saying that she's falsely accusing him. Okay, this is my final point on this, though. Mm -hmm. Here's the thing. Yes. And this is what, again, why you're supposed to never see defamation cases, because when you have to prove the truth, which is never in any other case. So hard. And also... How do you prove damages for something like this? Because this to me is like unlike sort of the cases we talked about with voting machines. Right. That's they're inaccurate, reduce mm-hmm. sales. Like to me, that is a very clear equation. Yeah, you, said you can our, track it. Right. You said our machines don't work the way they're supposed to. Mm-hmm. We lost revenue. We have damages. That seems very straightforward to me. What seems less straightforward to me, and I don't know how you parse this out, truthfully, either as an attorney or a right. juror, I don't, because if it's a statement like that, like the ones he's made, you're a disgrace, Yeah, you are mentally unstable, you're a liar, you're a political whatever type of things. Yeah. How do you quantify? And this, I feel like this is the case of a lot of even personal injury cases. Like you, you know, you're injured. How do you quantify that? But right. How do like you how quantify you how you feel? Yeah, I can pay back an x-ray. I can pay back an exam. But in the end, how do you calculate or quantify your back pain? And it's something like this that I'm like, well, is it, you know, she lost friends? Like, I, I don't know. Oh, it's hard. I feel like it's a very hard thing. And it's like, I... I feel a lot of sympathy and empathy towards a woman who's decided to come forward against someone who has the publicity, for yeah. lack of a better word, that or pro high profile is as high profile yeah. as Trump is. Um, because that is a decision in and of itself. Like your life will never be the same. You're absolutely right. You're, it's a former president. It's a you know business executive. Whatever. I just mm-hmm. don't know how you quantify it. For, and I don't think necessarily that our legal system is built to like handle that in a way that is equitable, maybe is the best way to put it. It's hard to because it's subjective, right? There, like yeah. you're saying, there's no number to put on it that's objective that you can say, this is exactly what I need. So it's up to a right. jury or a judge to say, yeah, I think that was really bad. So I'm yeah. going to make up a number, so to speak, of what I think it's worth. But that's what we ask of our jurors. Every single day in this country. So. Jeez. Yeah. Um, so that's where we are. I am. Um, 
If we talk about Trump again, I'm going to pull my hair out. <laughs> I know. If he just start being in the news, dang it. And we're right? not even talking about the political stuff. And I know everybody thinks that whatever it is with Trump, it's political. But this is the legal stuff. And we are still skirting the line where people think we're being political just because of who it is. Um, I see politics. I'll give them politics. We can talk politics. And look. <laughs> That'll be another podcast. Yes. <laughs> Chelsea's vibes, and you will just hear me ranting about whatever the topic of the day is. But Exactly. Um, so speaking of Chelsea's vibes, um, Chelsea's vibes are fantastic. And they have led to um, just a reminder of the Law Unscripted. So we are part of the Law Unscripted with the Legal Weekly Wine. And um, through this... Our, this is our next to last episode of the season. Next week is our last episode, right? That's, I really cannot wrap my brain around it. It's exciting. We're going to have eight episodes in the summer. We're going to take a little bit of the, a break and come back for the summer. Um, but what we're really doing this summer is we're doing bar preparation. So for law students out there, if you know a law student, we're not um, Quimby, Barbary, that sort of thing, but we are following Quimby. Chelsea is going to be using Quimby Bar Review for her bar preparation. We do have um, a link if you go to the the comments. I never know what to call them. The description below. The description. So if you're on YouTube, it's in the description. If you're on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, it's going to be in the show notes. Um, so same thing. Perfect. Place. Thank you. So it's going to be there. We're going to drop the link um, where if you go to that particular link, it's an affiliate link and Quimby will give you 10% off of the bar review classes that they have. So if you want to get that discount, you can do that. If you want to follow Chelsea this summer, um, that's another good way to do that. And then within the next week, I think we're going to have our full website launched of thelawunscripted.com. And you can follow us through the summer um, as as the legal team where we're going to help Chelsea get through the bar. We're going to have our own supplemental bar review classes so you can follow us along. And even if you don't take the bar or want those classes, we are having a portion on the website that is follow Chelsea. And you can keep up. <laughs> you, it. You can keep up with her. So if you miss her this summer, you can keep up with her there. We're going to be doing postings as to, you know, how she's doing, how she's feeling, her ups, her downs, um, her goods, her bads of studying for the bar. So you can follow her there. And then um, we'll be back again in the fall. But at least one more session for this season. Look, we have to make it a good one. If the legal world can do something fantastic in the next, you know, seven days, that'd That's be amazing. That's not Trump. That would be great literally anything but it. I can't. I can't. I simply cannot. Yeah. So anyway, <laughs> we are glad to see you. We hope you grabbed your own glass of wine and had a good time with Happy Hour this Friday. We will catch you again next Friday. I'm Virginia Tarani. And I'm Chelsea Rogers. We're with Tarani Law LLC because you never need a lawyer. Well, you do. <laughs>